Welcome, everybody. This is Dylan Wagella, the host of My Report. I am a sitting state representative in the state of Michigan in District 26, Garden City, Inkster, Southeast Westland, and Northeast Romulus. Welcome back to the My Report. This is episode two. Today, we will be covering House Bill 4001. Specifically, we are going to look into what's in the bill, how did it get to where it got to, what was my stance on this bill and the different portions of it, what is the SOAR fund, why am I opposed to it, and how have corporate handouts served the great state of Michigan in the past? Leaving you with a question, is there another path that we can chart? for a better world. I want to begin this episode with a new segment uh, with a quote. This is a quote uh, by Eugene Victor Debs, who was alive from 1855 to 1926 and was an American socialist, political activist, trade unionist, and one of the founding members of the Industrial Workers of the World, also known as the IWW. Eugene was a five-time president of the United States candidate and gained over a million votes running for president from prison. This is one of my all-time favorite political quotes. Here it is in the words of Debs. I am opposing a social order in which it is possible for one man who does absolutely nothing that is useful to amass a fortune of hundreds of millions of dollars while millions of men and women who work all the days of their lives barely secure enough for a wretched existence. Eugene Debs. Let's jump into House Bill 4001. Let's dive into looking at House Bill 4001. Now, it's important to note that the beginning version and the final version of House Bill 4001 both passed the House and the Senate. The current version of the bill that passed has much more in it than it originally did. It was combined together through political maneuvering to include other portions in this piece of legislation. And it is still, at the time of this recording, awaiting a signature from the governor. So first, let's talk about what was House Bill 4001 in the beginning and what did it become towards the end? House Bill 4001 began as a repeal of the retirement tax. You might remember that the retirement tax was only placed on public pensions under the Schneider administration. And Democrats across Michigan have been promising to repeal that piece of legislation pretty much since. This piece of legislation would repeal the retirement tax over four years in 25% increments, meaning that each year another 25% of the retirement tax could be written off. We'll circle back to that because I think it's interesting that that's the way that this was decided to be done. The legislation is also immediate for police and fire. That's important to note as well. So House Bill 4001 originally passed with a vote of 67 yes votes to 41 no votes. 
I also want to note, I was an original co-sponsor on this piece of legislation and voted yes on it on January 26th. Then, through strategic political maneuvering, House Bill 4001 was sent to what's called a conference committee. Now, for those of you listening that do not know, a conference committee is a committee composed of House and Senate members and is usually formed for the purpose of reconciling differences in legislation that has passed both chambers. The bill was sent to conference in order to add the other elements of House Bill 4001. I ended up opposing the second version of the House Bill 4001 because of some of the things that were added rather unnecessarily because several portions of the bill already passed with bipartisan support and in both chambers. So what House Bill 4001 eventually became is this, and it's quite a mouthful, so hang with me. Number one, it has the retirement tax repeal. Again, a bill I co-sponsored and voted yes on on January 26. It also included the Working Families Tax Credit expansion to 30%, which is great. I supported this, was a co-sponsor, voted yes on it on January 26. It also had, oh, and by the way, House that was House Bill 4002 in its original form. They earned income tax credit or what we're calling the Working Families Tax Credit. It passed with 100 votes to eight. 100 votes to eight with bipartisan support. You'd figure if this was ran alone, it would have gotten what's called immediate effect, meaning that it goes into effect immediately and not 90 days after signy die. We'll come back to that because I think we made some political strategy errors through this process. The next piece of legislation in this bill was $800 million that would go to $180 stimulus checks to families, to households, I should say. So if you're married, that, you know, $90, $90 a piece. This only was going to happen if given immediate effect, which we did not get to this point. So we will see what happens. There are still some things that could happen through this process to make that go out, but the clock is ticking and we do not have immediate effect. So I would say that part of the bill is probably not going to come to fruition. The last part of the bill, the part of the bill that was talked about the least by anybody in after the bill was passed or before is the diversion of the corporate income tax rates for future years 24, 25, and 26. This is the part of the bill that I oppose. So a little bit of context. The corporate income tax rate in Michigan is at 6%, which is one of the lowest in our region. So if you believed in trickle-down economics, which some people do, you would probably think, hey, we already have a reason for business to come to Michigan because we have a 6% corporate income tax rate rather than some of the surrounding states that have a higher rate. You know, that right there is enough to entice somebody to come to Michigan, if you believe in that. Now, what this would do, right, and our corporate income tax rate would go to the general fund normally, which is a really important fund where a lot of district projects are funded, a lot of other needs are taken care of, and in state investments in a variety of things in the state budget. This would... Any revenue generated from the corporate income tax rate over $1.2 billion 
because the first $1.2 billion still goes to the general fund, would go to the first $50 million for housing, the second $50 million for what's called the RAP fund, and the last $500 million for the Strategic Outreach and Attraction Reserve Fund, more commonly known as SOAR. SOAR was created only a few years ago, and for the purpose of attracting big business to Michigan and getting companies to invest in our state. I like to call this the corporate grant fund because that's essentially what it is, is it gives grants to companies to then come grace us with their business and profit off of our labor, etc. So the corporate income tax rate, which currently goes to the general fund, this bill has effectively changed that. It will reduce the number of dollars going into the general fund over time. And according to the House Fiscal Agency's analysis, this legislation effectively diverts $1.425 billion from the general fund over the next three years. And I'm opposed to this bill because of this portion. We cannot continue to give corporate handouts when we are in need of community investments in schools to address the teacher shortage, our roads that we need to fix. The list goes on and on and on. There are so many needs and we had a once in a lifetime chance to make historic community investments. And this is one of the ways we decided to spend that great surplus we had. Now, a question I get a lot is, there's a lot of good in the bill. Why did you hold this up? You know, I think one of the things that people continued to say to me as I held strong in my no vote was, you know, don't let the perfect get in the way of the good. But my question, I think back, having some time to reflect, would be this. If you look at the cost of the bill through 2025, the SOAR portion is actually the largest single portion of the bill in terms of cost. It is 32.5% of the entire bill's cost, or one-third of the cost through 2025 is this SOAR diversion. The retirement tax in contrast, right? So the SOAR fund is $1.425 billion over until 2025. The retirement tax is $700 million in that time frame, and the earned income tax credit is $1.2 billion in terms of the tax hit that we'll take. So I push back that this wasn't a significant investment. And yes, SOAR portion of this bill is supposed to quote unquote sunset in three years or at the end of 2025. But I guess we'll have to wait and see if that even happens. Sunsets get extended all of the time. So I just want to flag that for people. When we come back, we will be taking a look at what exactly is the SOAR fund in more detail. How has the money been used in the past through this fund? What are some of the major issues that have developed? Then we will look at the problem of immediate effects and consider what a different bill have gotten immediate effect. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being with me. Welcome back, everybody. Let's dive into the SOAR fund what it is, what is the history of it, etc. What have been the major issues? Welcome back. I got to be honest, I've done this episode over a couple of days now, uh, actually a couple of weeks because of the developments that have changed in Lansing. Uh, I actually want to start this segment of the episode off by just talking about what trickle down economics is. Uh, as many of you know, I taught government and history 
for several years at the high school level and middle school level. Trickle-down economics is something that I think, and at least hope, most people understand. But if not, here's what it is. Trickle-down economics refers to any policy in which wealthy people and corporations receive tax cuts, stimulus, or deregulation in an effort to boost growth for the entire economy. This is also known as supply-side economics. Trickle-down economics gets its name from humorist Will Rogers, actually. Fun fact. Now, I bring this up because at the most basic form, what the SOAR fund is, is it's trickle-down economics. In anybody who tries to tell you that it's something different, I will just go back to this desktop this definition of trickle-down economics. And trickle-down economics, or also known as Reaganomics, is a tried-and-true failed economic policy. We continue to do this over and over again, and we never learn our lesson, which I will go into today. So basically how it works is just you give money to the wealthy and hope that it trickles down to the rest of us, to the workers, through jobs and, uh, and manufacturing creation, etc. It goes on. But who really benefits are shareholders and corporations and CEOs. Michigan has a long history of this practice. Michigan, in fact, has given over $20 billion to corporate incentives since 1975, with most of that coming since 2004. Here are a couple examples. Some of you might remember the mega tax credits, where the state offered more than $14 billion to select companies through these tax credits from 1995 to 2011. So some people have looked at this and most studies find that they have no effect or a negative effect on the economy over time. In fact, in, I think there's been seven or so total studies in the seventh study of these credits, which came out in 2019 in the peer-reviewed journal Growth and Change titled, Did Incentives Help Municipalities Recover from the Great Recession? evidence from Midwestern cities called the program of mega credits a debacle. You might also remember the film tax credits, which were from 2008 to 2015, where the state dished out $500 million for separate film incentives. And we didn't show much job creation as a result. In fact, we even hired a consultant by the state, and that consultant found that the program had a net negative for the state treasury through its research. And this wasn't something that was widely reported at the time. Now we have the SOAR fund. So while these different forms of trickle-down economics might change name over time, they really don't change in their ability to waste taxpayer money and to continue to be the new way to attract jobs innovation to the economy. So what is the SOAR fund, for those of you who don't know? So SOAR stands for Strategic Outreach and Attraction Reserve. It's an economic development program that is administered through the MEDC, or the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. It is an economic development model where the state gives millions and sometimes close to billions of taxpayer dollars to corporations to either move to, to convince corporations to move to Michigan or to stay in Michigan. Actually, let me let me correct that. The SOAR fund only works towards getting people to come to Michigan. There will be other times, uh, like earlier this year, where we will give 
corporate handouts to companies to stay here, which I think is a direct tie to the SOAR fund uh, because we just continue to, to show corporations that if they threaten enough, we will make sure that they get paid. So people like to play mental gymnastics when talking about these corporate handouts. You might have heard this term. It's pretty clever. Uh, what they've been using right now is called economic development. And that's what they use when we talk about tax incentives, abatements, and handouts. So when you hear the term economic development, just know what they're talking about is giving taxpayer dollars to corporations to create jobs, essentially trickle-down economics. Let me walk you through a couple of examples of recent history. 2021, we gave a billion dollars in tax abatements to GM. So if you look at the Guardian's article titled, A Really Bad Deal, Michigan awards GM $1 billion in incentives for new electric cars. So through their analysis, we can see that this economic development deal from 2021 was no good. Uh, basically, we gave GM a billion dollars in tax abatements to invest $7 billion themselves and create 4,000 jobs. That was the deal. Uh, we give them a billion dollars in incentives. They create 4,000 jobs and invest $7 billion. Sounds, sounds good enough, but when you look close enough at the numbers, as The Guardian did, and that's where this information comes from, it shows that Michigan has basically agreed to compensate GM more than $310,000 for each job that was created. And according to the estimate of The Guardian's article, they figured it would be 20 in the next 20 years, these positions were unlikely to generate more than $100,000 in tax revenue in the very best case scenario. Basically, what that means is we are not seeing a return on investment as was promised. So we need to consider these things as we look at these economic developments or corporate handouts, because we're giving money to these corporations that have proven time and time again that they are not going to be good actors and they won't be because their motivation is profit, not profit for the community. It's profit for their shareholders. So even with the state claiming in that deal with GM that we would have all of this indirect job growth equivalent to 29,000 jobs, uh, it's still in an astronomically high amount per job. Also, what we saw just recently, as of March 1st, a, a CNN article came out titled, GM is cutting hundreds of white-collar jobs. So not even two years later, GM is already cutting 500 jobs. What's even more astonishing is that we have seen this with GM before. You might remember that between 2002 and 2006, Michigan taxpayers contributed incentives worth of about $110 million to fund expansions of GM's Ypsilanti Township and Warren Transmission Plants near Detroit. But looking at state documents, and this is coming from that same Guardian article from 2021, it shows that the company and MEDC projected hefty returns, about 20,000 new jobs or retained jobs, and $2 billion in new state tax revenue by 2027. Problem is, within several years, GM started to create new transmission lines in GM in, in Mexico. 
We have not seen the return from that deal from 20 years ago. We're not going to see the return from the one in 2021. And let me give you another example. This is an article from the Free Press. This is a different deal. This is a deal with Ford. The state of Michigan doled out incentives to Ford, which just announced big job cuts as the title of the article. So you might remember around the same time we gave GM a billion dollars to create 4,000 jobs, we gave Ford $100 million of state money to create 3,030 3, blue collar jobs. Ford turned around and cut 3,000 white collar jobs after receiving the $100 million. So I, this begs a question. I could go on and on and on with examples. But when are we going to learn the lesson that corporations are not our friends and they are not going to make decisions that benefit anyone besides themselves? Well, that lesson, my friends, isn't today. Because in just a moment, I'm going to come back and talk about House Bill 4016, which just passed on March 1st, which includes another $800 million in corporate incentives, much of which are going to Ford. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's time to look at House Bill 4016, which passed on March 1st with 59 yeas and 49 nays. This uh, House Bill 4016 was a supplemental budget bill. Apparently, these are my favorite bills. Uh, and I voted no on this bill. No surprise there. I was the only Democrat for the third time to vote no on uh, a bill. And the reason why, I will explain. Uh, it had it had $800 million of corporate handouts, but let's dive into that. So this bill appropriated $1.3 billion, uh, $829 of million of which came from the general fund. I want to note that the rest of the money in the bill outside of the general fund were federal ARPA dollars. So ARPA dollars were allocated under the American Rescue Plan Act during COVID. And I note this because it funded some really great projects. And I, I'm not opposed to those projects, but we should know that ARPA dollars are not going anywhere. And these at some point need to be allocated, whether that's now, later, or in, during the budget. Uh, so I just bring that up because even if this bill was defeated, those ARPA dollars are still getting allocated at some point. So I wasn't voting no on those things. Uh, I was voting no on the handouts. And I think that's an important thing to note because this bill included $800 million in corporate handouts. Um, and for those of you counting, that brings our total in just two months to 2.9 billion dollars of current and future money allocated to corporate handouts. 2.9 billion. 2.9 billion. So here's how that 800 million in bill house bill 4016 breaks down. So they're doing another source deposit uh, of $170 million into the SOAR fund, which will likely go to Ford through uh, or supporting the Ford project through other means in, in in ways at some point. Then there was uh, mega site development. So this deal for Ford, uh, which I'll talk about what what was all in the deal in a second, but basically a lot of this money is going to creating that site so that Ford can go in there and then put a factory on it. Why Ford can't pay for that themselves is the question that I've been having, but this has $300 million to 
purchase the land and get it ready. Then we're giving $330 million to MDOT to create some of the infrastructure so that uh, trucks and so forth can make it to the factory, et cetera. Not as upset about infrastructure funding, but the fact that we're paying for all of this for Ford is a big question mark in my mind. So here's the deal. Ford is set to receive $1.782 billion in tax abatements to create a new battery plant in Marshall, Michigan to create 2,500 jobs. 2,500 jobs. 2,500 jobs. And they're going to invest $3.5 billion in the factory. So the state and local governments investing $1.78 billion, and the company itself is investing $3.5 billion. These jobs are going to have an average of $45,000 in pay, which is 20% less than the county's median income. So these jobs are lower paying jobs on average than the area is already used to. That is, I think, extraordinarily important to note. And hopefully those will go up as unions organize the plant and negotiate contracts. So beyond the 2,500 jobs, the MEDC and Ford estimate that the plant will create an additional 10,000 jobs indirectly. How they get to that number, I think, is a really good question, and I don't know the answer to that, but hopefully someone's looking into uh, that report once that becomes more publicly and widespread. So they're going to receive, Ford is, $772 million in local property tax abatements, which is going to directly hurt the public school, I might note, uh, $210 million directly from SOAR, and $750 million for infrastructure. So the state will pay for that infrastructure, but Ford will be the big beneficiary of those dollars. So let's look at the cost. We just looked at GM and the cost was $310,000 per job for their 4,000 jobs for that 2021 deal. This deal has a cost of $680,000 per job. Even if you count all of the jobs, that the MEDC claims and Ford claim will be created by the program, uh, by, by building the factory outside the indirect job growth, it's still over $100,000 a job, which is by anything I've looked at, the highest total per of any deal in SOAR in the history of SOAR deals. Double what GM deal referenced earlier. So all of this to say, this is a bad deal. So I voted no. This is a corporate handout. This is trickle-down economics. This is the same thing that we keep doing over and over and over. And apparently, it doesn't matter who's in charge, Republicans or Democrats, corporations are going to win anyway. That's that's what's happened. I mean, that's happened in the federal level. That's happened at the local level, et cetera. It's happened at the state level, uh, every level of government. So I want to talk at the end of here just about an alternative. And I, I wanted to find just one example so I didn't have to drone on. So counties, cities, and villages in Michigan own a majority, about 59% of the 11,000 plus bridges in Michigan. And over the last decade, the percentage of local bridges in poor condition was roughly doubled and they need some work. So the according to MDOT, it's estimated that it will cost about $2 billion to replace all state-owned bridges that are in poor condition. 
So we have more than 1,200 structures that are in poor or worse condition. So my point is, if we're going to use $1.7 billion in state and local tax monies, maybe they should go to bridges and roads. Maybe that's a better use of our tax dollars. Also, if Ford is only investing $3.5 billion on top of what we already are, maybe we should just buy the factory ourselves. I'm being a little facetious on that, but the point is still there. You know, Ford was a company that had an operating profit of $11.5 billion in 2022. They have millions and billions of dollars. They have actually billions of dollars in cash on hand and billions of dollars in assets. Why are we giving them taxpayer dollars? It doesn't make sense. So I want to end with just one little note here because there's been some time since I started recording this episode. 4001 uh, did not receive immediate effect and has been sent to the governor's desk. What this means is those $180 checks I talked about earlier are not going to go into effect. And in fact, what will happen is the income tax rate will roll back, which people will see a very minor uh, tax tax cut from that. But wealthy will see a really big one. The problem with that is we, if we don't find a way to do something about that, we are going to lose $700 million a year in revenue. So we've effectively cut taxes more than any time in Michigan history. And we've given the largest corporate handout in Michigan history in the first two months. My question, as I mentioned earlier, is would a different bill have gotten immediate effect? Anyway, thank you for listening. I hope that you found this entertaining, easy to follow, honest, and uh, transparent. I will catch you on the next episode where we will likely be talking about repealing the 1931 abortion ban and maybe some enacting some gun control legislation. Hope you all have a great day. Thank you for listening to my report and I will see you next time.